You've reached Hoop and Holler, a Square One podcast on basketball and other shenanigans. Danny Green, I'm mad at Danny Green. I just want to thank everybody that's been in my corner during this time. With Reagan Griffin Jr. Reagan, you're the best, man. I'm the clamp guy. I am the Giannis Antetokounmpo of Lion Center. Eddie Sun. Probably won't get hired by, you know, ESPN anytime soon. Because <laughs> we don't got that clutch connection. And Julio Martinez. On uh, Giannis and the Bucks, I told you so, I told you so, I told you so. Please clap. It comes from at underscore underscore uh, KLU2 on Twitter. Bro, the fact that you knew there were two underscores before the to at underscore underscore KLU. He knows your that, Twitter. That means I'm tweeting it too much. But at, when it boils down, like, that's what we're here for is the yeah. basketball. Welcome back to another episode of Hoop and Holler. It is 1.42 a.m. Central Standard Time. I'm back home in Memphis, Tennessee, but we committed to Wednesdays and Saturdays, and Wednesdays and Saturdays we shall stick to. So, gentlemen, before we get into this episode, we got a lot of fun stuff going on, but as always, how are we doing on this beautiful Tuesday morning? Or is it the morning for y'all yet? Wednesday morning. It's still night. Almost, almost. Uh, I'm kind of upset that I'm not going to get my week my consistent weekend <laughs> i know i always take shots at you reagan but my but my consistent weekend uh, uh thanks my weekly ass dinner. whooping yeah is that is that what you're yeah. talking about my weekly ass whooping last week didn't yeah. go that bad i felt like i was doing all right last week um you did you did did all yeah. right what was the final score like 55 34 like that something like that yeah yeah cool eddie how you doing I'm chilling. I'm just wondering when the uh, video evidence of your guys' weekend matchup. I got it in the vault. Is- I got it in the vault. So actually, because remember, Julio, I told you um, that the, the it didn't save or whatever. My phone died. But actually, it's in here. I have 26 minutes of it. So uh, my My phone died. It's in my here. Do you want <laughs> it? Is, I have it right here. I, I'll, I'll, I'll release the footage at some point in the near future. But you better believe I'm going to spend this uh, this winter break trying to get a little better with something i don't know what but we're gonna get we're gonna come back with something else in the bag maybe a handle but it's not about me today it's not about me and julio it's about the nba so let's go ahead and get into it we're gonna have three teams from each conference that we're gonna address whether they got better or whether they got worse um y'all want to start in the east or the west go west let's yeah let's do west starting out west man let's do it Why don't we address the elephant in the room, Los Angeles Clippers. Interesting offseason for them. Not the most eventful thing. I personally think that there's still something coming for this team, um, likely in the form of a trade. But as things stands right now, do you think that the Los Angeles Clippers are better or worse off than they were a season ago? So, yeah, just to know, I agree with you that I I kind of expected more from the Clippers, but I also do agree in the same breath that they're not done in any shape or form. Uh, at the end of the day, what they've done so far, I know a lot of people disagree with me. Uh, you know, you got guys like Max Kellerman saying that they're blowing the offseason. I'm leaning towards that they got better. Mm. And I, I know a lot of people are going to disagree with me because they lost, obviously, you know, the sixth man of the year. But I'm not going to say Ibaka is as good as Montrez Harrell, you know, as a talent. But as a fit, not only in the locker room, but on the court, I think he's a better player for them. He can do things that Montrez Harrell cannot do. That's shooting the ball, which is stretching the floor, which is on a pick and pop uh, uh, from three or the mid-range. 
and he can defend the basket still. Uh, um, obviously, he's not, you know, the infamous Iblaka that he once was, but he can still protect the rim damn well. And a player that that's slipping under the radar of some people just because he played in a small market, Detroit, you know, uh, uh, shoot, Luke Kennard. Luke Kennard is a beast. Yeah. I'm I'm here to tell y'all, you, you know, these listeners who don't know much about Luke Kennard, that man is an assassin on the court. And if we're looking at the Clippers saying, oh, but they didn't address the, the you know, the biggest need that they needed this offseason, which is, you know, a real floor general. Luke Kennard is a damn good passer. He can play the point and he can play off ball. So I'm I'd actually be looking for the Clippers to pawn off Lou Williams at some point. Because Luke Kennard can kind of fill both roles of an off-the-bench scorer and, and he, you know, he's on the younger side and he can run an offense at the point guard position. So all in all, I'm saying they got they got better. Hmm. Not not by a big margin, but they got better. What say you, Edward? See, I'm not sure how people can say that they didn't get better unless you really love Montrez Harrell so much and really thought he was some sort of special talent. But just for the Clippers' chances next year to win a championship. And next year might be their only year given Paul George and Kawhi's contracts. Um, I think they undoubtedly got better, and not just a little better, a lot better. Um, you talked about Luke Kennard. Um, I'm with you there that he's a really uh, special player, under-the-radar player. But think about how they got him. Um, they traded away only Landry Shamit for him, and Landry Shamit is a supposed shooter, but Kennard and him have the exact same three-point percentages um, and Kennard can shoot the three off the dribble. And plus, the Clippers got four second-round picks with, you know, Kennard, the better player, which, I mean, it doesn't mean anything for next year, but it's kind of weird how they managed to get the best player and four seconds. And then you talk about Ibaka. I love the Ibaka fit so much more than Montrez at that center position. Now you're talking about a center rotation with um, Ibaka and Zubac, and I think you should give Zubac more minutes because he's been really good in his limited minutes. And then you have like a really good dichotomy now between Zubac and, you know, Ibaka, one guy who's a good interior presence, another guy who's more of like an athletic presence, pick and pop, stretch the floor kind of guy. Um, I think they, they really got better and, and they addressed their needs about as well as they could because I don't think they were going to blow it up at all. You know, they're going to make moves on the margins and they really did improve in those margins. Yeah, something that they're going to miss is the Montrez Lou pick and roll that was very reliable for them throughout the season. But I feel like they're going to make up for it. And also with Luke Kennard, a lot of people, you know, what you referenced was uh, a lot of people assume that, oh, he's just Landry Shamit. No, he's Landry Shamit that can put the ball on the ground and kill you in a pick and roll and do just so much more on the ball. So I just want to clear that up. So I'm hearing on, on your end, Eddie, that you don't think that they're, or you think that they were just going to kind of improve on the edges and massage things out and try to become somewhat of a better team. Julio, you think that there's another move coming. I want to toss the question out. Would the Clippers be better or worse off if they made a move to try to trade for another star to put on this team? Like James Harden? Mm, probably, I, I wouldn't say James Harden's in the realm of possibility at this point. Um, Russell Westbrook seems a little bit more likely. I know we all don't like the um, Russell, Russell Westbrook fit, per se, but say you're, you're trading... Uh, Zubac and Lou Williams and, and something else to go get you know one, one of these fringe guys that might be floating around I'm trying to think of a name um like a CJ McCollum I that's not the best 
guy <laughs> that I could come up with off the top of my head, but someone in that range of player, if that makes sense. No, I not. I mean, I, the Clippers don't have any resources really to go after a big fish, and they have good depth. You know, we talked about last season their depth. I mean, they still have good depth and you know really functional depth. So I, I mean, I don't. Yeah, another thing that is slipping under under the radar, though, about their depth is the loss of Jamichael Green. Mm. And I thought they were going to make up for it by signing Mark Keefe, um, but obviously they didn't. He re-signed with the Lakers. And, and that's not a huge signing, but I feel like that is pretty crucial because now who you're going to have to slide into that spot, I mean, uh, unless you give all of the minutes of Jamichael and Montrez to Ibaka, I mean, you're going to have to slide in Patrick Patterson in there more. And not that he's a bad player. I'm not the biggest fan of him, but, I mean, he he's not Jamichael Green. Hmm. Well, to answer the question at hand, I think I agree with the both of you that they got better. Um, it, it's almost one of those things to where we talk about, like, basketball at, at a very surface level fanship and then basketball of kind of understanding certain players who might fly under the radar like a Luke Kennard um certain talents um that a, a guy like Serge Ibaka can can you use on the court um they definitely are not a worse team it might be in a worse position there's not as much hype surrounding the team as there was last year um but but they're not they're they're definitely not a team that you can just toss to the side and say you know what they got worse, or they even stayed stagnant. No, this team is definitely better. So with that, we can go ahead and keep it pushing, stay in the Western Conference. Why don't we talk about the wonderkin himself and his team, Dallas Mavericks, Luka Doncic. Did the Mavericks get better or worse in this offseason? See, I, I became like one of the biggest Luka Doncic fans uh, from his performance in the bubble. And though I know... You know, they're trying to clear up cap space to go after Giannis uh, uh, for this, you know, after this season, uh, potentially. For this upcoming season, you know, within itself in a vacuum, I think they got worse. Mm. And I I think one of the crucial losses was Seth Curry. I mean, when you talk about dependable, that man was, I mean... I mean, you know, I, I watched the Mavericks most, obviously, in the bubble, not in the regular season. But this man wa- was, he was lighting it up from three. And not only was he a catch-and-shoot player, but he can actually put the ball on the ground and, and go get his own. Um, and I think that was a reliable score when Luka Doncic went to the went to the bench and got, you know, the rest he needed. And, and when he, you know, suffered that ankle injury against the Clippers, I mean, that, that's a guy that they heavily relied on. And the guy that, you know, they, they got back in return was Josh Richardson. Now, Josh Richardson gives them an element that they needed in perimeter defense, but he's not the scorer or shooter that Seth Curry is. And I, I value Seth Curry more than I value Josh Richardson, uh, maybe because it, it's his, you know, the bat, I, the, the, you know, the season he had last year in, in which he struggled. Um, but yeah, I'd say they got worse just alone off of the Seth Curry, you know, departure. Mm. See, I'm kind of surprised that you said that they got worse. I thought you would say that they got better, but actually I'm with you that they did get worse. Um, I like Josh Richardson as a player, but you know, when we look at why Dallas was the number one offense in the league last year, um, they had the number one offense with not a lot of 
great shooters. I mean, their only great shooter was Seth Curry. Um, Luka Doncic, percentage-wise, is not a great shooter, but he finds ways to score and set other people up. But then, you know, you're talking about, like, Cleaver was okay, like, Porzingis is okay. Um, you take away the one guy that's a reliable shooter, now I'm kind of worried about where that offense is headed. Because, again, like, the offense is kind of built on perimeter shooting and, you know, beating teams via the three. Um, and I know, and I understand why Dallas traded for Richardson. They want to clear cap space and they needed more defense, but I'm not so sure that the defense they get from Richardson, you know, trades off what they lost in Seth Curry's offense and what he provides for a team. And I think Dallas will get better next year just solely because of Luca's improvement. Yes. But in terms of a team construct, um, I always thought that Dallas's success was pretty fickle because it was really dependent on role players. And now they lost their best role player. So mm. it's kind of interesting for me. Um, I'm going to disagree with y'all. Um, primarily just because I'm not looking at strictly what happened in free agency and trades and whatnot. But I also like the way that Dallas drafted. You ended up coming out of the draft with Tyler Bay, Tyrell Terry, and what Josh Green. And those are all three guys that I kind of was a really big fan of going into the draft. Particularly Tyler Bay is a, a guy who's going to clamp up. You know, immediately off bat when he comes into the NBA. Um, Tyrell Terry, I know that's a guy that you like, Eddie. I think that you know you have now a secondary ball handler, it, assuming he's able to last from a physical standpoint. He's not the biggest dude in the world, but if he's able to last on the court from a physical standpoint, you have a guy that has extremely long range, that sees the floor very well, is capable of passing and running a pick and roll, and Josh Green is a 3 and D wing that's extremely lengthy and athletic. So um, going off of those three and what I think that they're going to be able to do in terms of contributing right away yeah you lost Seth Curry but you might have not better depth but you've matched what you've had in depth in years past I would say I'd say that the the departure of Seth Curry alone um is not negated by because you you have a better three-point shooter but you have other guys who feel other talents that they were lacking last year um that can make up for what they lost in three-point shooting but you're talking about two one-and-done players that were drafted, like they're not going to play big exactly. roles in this team this year. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked. That, that's what I was going to say. That's what I, I was going to say. I would that, not be shocked only, at all. That, I mean, Tyler Bay. Uh, I mean, y'all watch Tyler Bay. The dude's what? I think Pac-12 Defensive like, Player of the Year, I right? I mean, like I don't think he's very good, but that that's just me. Like we can disagree about draft stuff on a different podcast. That, yeah. that and th- that's the only way that that you know trade uh, uh, departure of Seth Curry becomes you know a win for you. That if those guys like Josh Green and Tyrell Terry can really succeed and play a significant role for you, but I just don't see them getting minutes. I think like, it's a, not going to happen next year. That's this, a, like yeah. they're young. I mean, they're they're nineteen year olds. You know, you can't depend on them to replace even a baseline role player in the first year. But what I'm saying it's not it's not a zero sum in terms of you're getting you're losing Seth Curry and you brought in a singular guy who's going to replace that production. I'm saying that you definitely became a worse shooting team and that you lost Seth Curry, but you also replaced him with players that bring maybe not the shooting to the table, but other talents that Dallas did not have at its disposal last year so i think that's where your improvement comes is you know we lost a shooter but we got better defensive pieces we got guys who like josh richardson that's your your boy apparently eddie um but yeah i think that you got guys who can do other shit um that makes you a better team it's just like i i would agree if we're talking about you know longevity like many years down the line 
um, replacing Seth Curry with a younger version of Seth Curry, maybe in Tyrell Terry, kind of. Um, but if we're just talking about strictly next year. Um, you're trading away experience for rookies. And, and, um, and Yeah, and, and to Eddie's point, they're heavily relying on the development of, of the continuous development of Luka Doncic, not only, you know, getting better individually, but I mean, I think I, I read somewhere that, you know, the, the role players around Luca, they had their best shooting, you know, year with Luca just because he attracts so many defenders and, and you know, he'll kick out to them. So they're that, heavily relying on, on that, you know. And and that's what people need to understand about Dallas's offense, that it's not Luca himself that makes this offense so um, you know, have such firepower is that Luca himself shoots like 30% from three. His efficiency alone is not good enough to make them, you know, that great. It's that they need great shooters around him and he makes those shooters even better. Um, but again, it's not Luca himself that you can just throw on that team right now and say, that's, you know, a great team. He's not quite at that level yet. Interesting. Well, let's go ahead and move on to our last team in the Western conference, the Denver Nuggets. A lot of interesting moving pieces for the Denver Nuggets. You lost Tory Craig to remind me where Tory went. Um, Milwaukee. Milwaukee, Milwaukee. Um, which we'll get into later. But do we think that Denver, another competition for the uh, Lakers, for the Western Conference title contender, um, do we think that they're a better off team than they were last year? I'm going to say they got worse. Um, and I'm going to say it's through no fault of their own, <laughs> which is funny and ironic because – and I, I've referenced this, you know, on the last pod, but with uh, the the departure of Grant, uh, uh, remind me, is it Jeremy or, or Jeremy? Yeah. Jeremy. Jeremy. Or Jeremy Grant. Um, with the departure of Jeremy Grant, I mean, how do you? Ex- I, I know you might have wanted a bigger role, but I mean, this role was tailor fit for your, you know, basketball skill set, for you know your development as a player. And, you know, they offered the same amount of money as Detroit did, and he still tro- chose ugly-ass ugly, ugly ass Detroit. But, you know, th- that's his prerogative, of Don't course. Don't tell that to Eminem. <laughs> uh, um, but, yeah, just on his departure alone, his growth, what he meant to them in the bubble, not only guarding the best player, the best wing on the other team, but being a reliable three-point shooter and, you know, offensive threat. Because not only could he shoot some threes, but, I mean, he could get to the paint, he could slash – and he, you know, he's a very important player to them. And you can say that may be offset by the, you know, emergence of Michael Porter Jr. But I just don't think he's there yet. And especially not the defender oh, that, yeah. that Grant is. So by that metric alone, I, I, I just, I think they got worse. And you can say that Will Barton's going to come back, but he doesn't bring that skill set that I think that they need uh, on that team. So I, I have to say that they got worse. I'm actually going to say they stayed the same. Um, and I really love Jeremy Grant's skill set. I think it's really unique, you know, that the shooting and size and athleticism. But, I mean, for whatever reason, and this happened in the regular season, the bubble, the playoffs, um, Denver did better when he was on the bench um, than when he was on the floor. And, like, just from the eye test, it doesn't really make sense because I think Jeremy Grant's a really good talent. But, you know, like, I don't know, maybe there's something to that. Um, but at the same time, I feel like they re-signed Paul Millsap, who's, you know, deteriorating, like, rapidly. But he still has enough, you know, to be serviceful. Like, he was serviceable in some of those games against the Clippers as well. I think he that was, was really important. Bad. 
You, to me, he, it was really bad. But he won. He won, I think, like, game three for them. Or one yes. of those games he did win for them. Just off of, you know, that veteran presence and toughness. So I think, you know, getting that experience back, getting that, getting Paul Millsap back was, you know, important for them just to have some sort of continuity at that position. And then I think Jermichael Green is probably also a really, really valuable ad. We did talk about him already. Um, bringing some of what Jeremy Grant brings, but not all of it. And then elsewhere, like, you know, they didn't really get um, any upgrades elsewhere. It's more internally with Will Barton getting healthy, Michael Porter taking the, the, another leap. But, um, like, I don't know. I want to be more sold on Jeremy Grant as a player, but I'm just, like, not quite there. And for that reason, I think, you know, they've kind of relatively stayed the same. Um, I'm going to disagree with the both of you. I'm going to say that they actually got a better, and I, I'm a big fan of Jeremy Grant's game. Um, but, you know, as you know, I'm a huge fan of Michael Porter Jr. And I think opening up that role for him, and I know he's not the defender that Jeremy Grant anywhere near, but mark my words, he's going to drop at least 18 points a game next year. And it's going to be a nice 18 points that he's dropping easily. Um, you brought up Jermichael Green and the loss of him for the Clippers. Uh, I, I think that, you know, what you lost for the Clippers, you obviously just gained for the Nuggets. Um, so, you know, despite losing Jeremy Grant, you're going to lose a little bit on defense, but you are getting Will Barton back. Um, you're going to get a bona fide bucket in Michael Porter Jr. I think they had a really good draft with Zeke Naji and uh, RJ Hampton. Those are two guys that probably aren't going to compete right away. Don't look at me like that, Julio. Okay, they're not going to come in and compete right away. I just wanted to give a nod to what I thought was a pretty decent draft. But uh, no, I, I think that they got slightly by a, a hair a little bit better just by opening up that role that role for Michael Porter to, to really flourish into the player that I think he can become. Interesting. Interesting indeed. All right. Let's keep it pushing. Let's head out east. Start with Philly Philly. Better or worse? I mean, I have to give credit where credit is due to uh uh I'm not the biggest fan of Daryl Morey. But, man, is he moving quickly on his feet. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, I mean, the team, obviously, to every NBA fan's eyes, didn't have enough shooting around two non-shooters in Embiid and uh, uh, Ben Simmons. You, you can say that Embiid can shoot for a big, but he can't shoot, you know, just straightforward uh, for what you need on that team. And plus, you want him to play more down low and, and dominate on the block. Um, they went out and they got Danny Green. They went out and they got Seth Curry. Um, to you, you know, Seth Curry. I think did he have the best percentage last year? No, that was NBA? George Hill. I think it was George Hill, but it was close. Yeah, yeah. So they got him and Danny Green. Uh, I think Danny Green will shoot better out of the LA spotlight, um, especially when there's no fans in the arena. Um, so I, I think I think Daryl Morey did what he needed to do. And he got off of Al Horford's contract. So all those things alone, I mean, I think Philly got much better. Mm. Yeah, I'm I'm with you 100%. And Dale Morey said something really interesting on, like, one of his press conferences. Um, he basically was mentioning that when Redick played together in the lineups with Simmons and Embiid, when Redick was there, those lineups were just basically, like, fucking crazy in terms of, like, the on-off numbers. And he was right. Like, he's completely right. And I'm pretty sure he saw that and decided, you know, let me get Seth Curry, who has maybe, if not even more, kind of shooter's gravity than J.J. Reddick at this point in his career. And, you know, like, it's not that they need a true point guard, per se, but someone with Seth Curry's gravity and, you know, foundational ability to 
handle and pass the ball, that opens up things where you can play two guys like Simmons and Embiid who you might have problems spacing the floor with. But, you know, you bring in Seth Curry in there, all of a sudden you clear his side because he has so much gravity. You can clear, you know, entire areas because defenses have to chase after Seth Curry. And the, the idea that Philly needed better shooting is not, like, quite correct because they were, like, top 10, I think, in three-point percentage last season. It just wasn't very functional shooting. It wasn't making defenses bite. wasn't making defenses read and react. So you bring a guy like Seth Curry in there, that's just a catalyst for all of those things. So the idea that Simmons and Embiid can't play together, well, they've played together really well with another dynamic shooter. I think Daryl Morey's figured that out. And, and the thing about Seth Curry, when you replace uh, uh, Josh Richardson with Seth Curry, Josh Richardson, obviously, you know, th- this is something we talked about last heading into last year, that Philly's defense was going to be insane. But that's not, you know, a dire need that you need in the starting lineup. Ben Simmons is already a great defender. Joel Embiid, we know what he can do, uh, you know, moving his feet, keeping up with guards and and protecting the paint. Um, So, I mean, they they already have already good defenders. You slide Seth Curry in there, that's a need, you know, that they needed in the starting lineup to make that offense and the whole team more dynamic. No doubt. I mean, I, I think it was, you know, I hate to boil basketball down to like a simple game because at its core it's not. Um, but hell, you have Joe Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. Let's get some shooting in here, right? Like you get you get Seth Curry and Danny Green. You're immediately becoming at least a, a team that makes more sense on paper. Um, I, I think it, it you kind of have to nod to what they've done in terms of improving the bench, drafting Tyrese Maxey. Um, they're not going to have to give him a, a huge role off the bat, but I think you give another ball handler, somebody that can take the load off of Ben Simmons off the bat. Um, and a guy who I think is pretty good finishing at the rim. He's not going to you know do anything astonishing this year, but it's another factor that you have to consider if you're the defense. Uh, signing Dwight Howard, it gives you a presence, a body off the bench. I think that's important. It was kind of a weird trading Zaire for uh, Tony Bradley. I didn't quite understand that one, but you know, hell, maybe Tony Bradley's got some more juice than I expected. But um, I think that Daryl Morey, like you said, he got his feet wet and he just started going ham off the bat. The dude knows what um this team needs and he's getting it done I, I definitely think it's going to be incumbent upon the improvement at least right because this team has always been good on paper the improvement's going to be incumbent upon the, the the people in the locker room and Doc Rivers specifically you know now that you have these shooters how do you make sure that defenses like you were saying Eddie are forced to respect them put them in actions to where defenses have to account for a Danny Green and account for a Seth Curry and not just leave them out there as bodies for Ben Simmons to kick the ball out to once he drives and there's nothing there so um, on paper, it's an improvement, but as has always been the case with this Philadelphia 76ers team, it has to be execution that's improved. Mm-hmm. And you can you can fix a lot of issues with uh, spacing by just moving people around. Because if people are standing still, then you can start crowding the paint. It's just mm-hmm. once you start moving people around, we're not going to talk about Simmons and Embiid as unplayable because those two players are too skilled not to be compatible. Mm-hmm. Well, time will only tell. The, the, this, the James Harden thing hasn't played itself completely out yet, so we might be having a very different conversation about the 76ers by the time the actual season rolls around. But who knows? Who knows? So let's go ahead and move on to a, a team that I know is of particular interest to you, Julio, the Milwaukee Bucks. Bogdan, not coming no more. That boy looks like he's headed to Atlanta. Um, something we'll get into a little bit later when we talk about some of the teams that we're interested in. But on paper, are the Milwaukee Bucks a better or worse team? I feel like the answer might be a little bit obvious, but who knows? Who y'all start with? You? 
Yeah, I, I mean, they might have a little bit of trouble filling out their bench. You know, they just signed Tory Craig, Bryn Forbes, and uh, one other name that's slipping my mind. DJ uh, Augustine? Oh, yes, DJ Augustine. Um, there's another name. Oh, Bobby, Bobby Portis. Portis. Yeah, it's like, eh, right? Um, but <laughs> at, at, when, you know, when you're building a team that's, when you're a, this is the conversation that the Lakers had last year. Uh, like, do we bring a third star in and then sacrifice our bench? Or do we build out our bench, you know, solidly around two superstars? And they add, they obviously added their third guy in Drew Holiday, which I think will not only give them a more dependent, you know, ball handler, uh, um, even though point guard might not be his most natural position, he's very comfortable hand, handling the ball. Um, and he can, he, he, he's not, you know, a terrible shooter. He's a reliable shooter off the catch, and he can create his own. Plus, he's a great defender. Um, so when you combine those things, plus bringing DJ Augustine off the bench, I think that's adding dynamics to your point guard position that you didn't have before. George Hill was very dependable, but he couldn't really, you know, go off or, or you know, have one of those nights that, you know, he, he could have, you know, got 25 points in a game maybe. Drew Holiday and DJ Augustine can do those things. Um, and adding that third guy to your team is just so crucial to a team that's built around a guy who's not really made or skilled enough to get his own when, when you know, in the playoffs when they need him to the most. So adding that, adding those types of guys, those prototypes is super important. So they got, they got much better. I'm actually going to say they stayed the same. And this is just looking at how these pieces will fit if they play the same style of basketball. But, you know, if Coach Bud adapts, and he's never adapted in his career, but if he does adapt, you know, anomalies, um, then this team can get a lot better. But when I think of adding Drew Holiday to that team that already has um, Chris Middleton, um, like Drew Holiday obviously like does a little more like as a guard, not a wing. But, you know, both of them are not really guys that, you know, like break down defenses, um, like do anything crazy in terms of ball handling or passing. Like they're just really good, but not like crazy. But it's and that's much why better I than what they had before. Well, let's talk about that because Drew Holiday is obviously better than Bledsoe. Um, I think defensively, like they were uh, similar Holiday's a little bit better, but offensively, obviously Holiday can do a lot more. Um, losing George Hill kind of stinks though. And I know he kind of sucked in the in the bubble. Um, but a lot of that could have been, you know, like he was obviously affected by other issues going on. Like he, he, he was shooting so well during the regular season. He shot well from Milwaukee, like, you know, two playoffs ago. Um, having a guy that's basically going to make threes and D up whatever perimeter player, um, you know, that that's kind of a tough loss. And I don't know if they replaced that with DJ Augustine. Um, elsewhere, it's just I'm not a, I just like I can't envision the holiday Middleton Giannis fit working well if they're running the same you know, boring, like, one, four flat offense, you know, or, or five spread offense, like, over and over again, like, no movement. It's just they got to incorporate something they're, new. They're not gonna, of, I, mean, I mean, unless Bud is I, outright stupid, I mean, if you're not putting Drew Holiday in pick-and-roll situations where he can really excel, I mean, then you're just – you're not fit to be a head coach. I mean, that's and, that's well, what we've are, seen but, about from I mean, Bud sure in the past, are, though, but, right? But it, but it depends on, like, what kind of – pick and rolls are they going to put him in are they are you just going to do a spread pick and roll like drew yannis pick and roll everybody else stands still like 
I don't know if that really works well because we've seen Middleton and Giannis do that, and like they can kind of execute it similarly to like good success in the regular season, you know, limitations in the bubble, you know. And again, like Drew Holiday doesn't really have the extra punch as a ball handler that quite breaks down defenses like that. So I'm kind of struggling to see it, especially because they really needed Bogdan. But yeah, you know, it's gonna have to be systematic changes. The 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 uh, the roster changes aren't enough to make them better. Interesting. Um, yeah, I, I'm kind of with you. Um, I'm probably more inclined to agree with Julio that they got slightly better just looking at the talent that's on this team versus what it was last year. But like like I was saying with Philly, the ball's ultimately going to be in the court of, of specifically Coach Bud to just be a little bit more creative, dog. Like, come on. You, like, <laughs> you can't just beat the same dead horse and, and expect different results year in and year out. So, um, it's good to see that they shake things up from a roster standpoint, but now you have to shake things up on the court. So, you know, if they do that, I will say you got slightly better, although we've discussed this on the past in the podcast. I still don't think it's enough to go win a chip. Well, we've arrived at our final team in the East. Another green team, the Boston Celtics lost Gordon Hayward, picked up Tristan Thompson, picked up who's who am I forgetting Jeff right now? Jeff Teague. Better or worse than last year? I, th- I think they got better, and it sucks to lose Gordon Hayward for nothing, you know, just if you're looking at that trade within itself. But by losing Gordon Hayward, you're giving more leeway to uh, uh, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum to really take the reins, especially signing, you know, his contract extension. Congrats to Jason Tatum. Um and in signing Tristan Thompson, Daniel Tice was, you know, he, he was solid. He was okay throughout the season. But Tristan Thompson will be an upgrade there in protecting the rim. He he won't be able to stretch the floor as much as Daniel Tice can. But I think he'll, he'll provide a bigger body down low that the Celtics needed. And the Jeff Teague signing is a slight, is a sneaky good move. The Boston Celtics did not have a backup point guard. It's mm. not Carson Edwards and it's not Marcus Smart. Stop making, stop trying to, and I know they needed to, but stop trying to make Marcus Smart a decision maker on the court. You do not want to put the ball in his hands on the court. He makes stupid decisions sometimes. And when he, the most, when he's most dangerous is, is uh, uh, when he gets hot. Because when he gets hot in a game, he thinks that he's, you know, that, that he's Superman or, you know, he's LeBron, the, a mini LeBron. And that's just not, you don't, you do not want to put the ball in Marcus Smart's hand. W- what did we say? I'm sensing uh, some uh, animosity here from Julio. He was like, pass me the ball, pass me the ball, pass me the ball. And Kemba Walker was smart enough to not pass him the ball. So getting Jeff Teague, a reliable, very, very reliable backup point guard, I think is going to improve your team heavily. Uh, and even though you lose Gordon Hayward for quote unquote nothing, you're giving more reins and more, you know, power to Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown to to progress and, and you know flower. I get what you're saying, and you might have me convinced, but you know, for all that we kind of, or not we, but like basketball people, kind of collectively shitted on Gordon Hayward in the bubble. Um, he was like really good in the regular season. I mean, he was maybe like 80% of uh, Utah Jazz, Gordon Hayward. His shooting splits were really good. Um, you know, he, he never looked explosive, but he was just getting buckets. Like, he knew how to get buckets. And, you know, again, like, losing him for nothing is kind of tough. Um, 
especially when you're talking about now, instead of Marcus Smart being like a super Swiss army knife bench player six man, now you're talking about, okay, so you have to insert Marcus Smart at the two. Um, and I get the Jeff Teague signing, but it's starting to get, you know, slim pickings in, on the bench. Like you better hope um, uh, Grant Williams gets a lot better. You better hope, like, I don't know who else is their backup guard than Jeff T. Like, but you just better hope, you know, some the, the guys from 6 to 10 are getting a lot better. And, like, the, there are a lot of questionable names in there. I mean, I mean, this is kind of the problem that they had last year. They only went 6 deep. I, I, think, I think Jeff Teague is more solid than you're giving him credit for. I mean, you, would you rather have Jeff Teague or Brad Wanamaker running your, running your bench squad? I think I think they needed Jeff T because they literally only had one guy who knew how to yeah. you know make advanced moves with the dribble in his hand. Um, at the same time, though, Jeff T kind of forgot how to shoot. But I kind of like you know the dynamic between him and Robert Williams potentially, you know, as like a one-five combination. Um, I, I mean, I just don't know. Like Gordon Hayward was really good last year, and losing him without any real replacement, yeah. like unless. Like, I know Jason Tatum will take the leap, but, you know, again, I, like, I do this with Jalen Brown every year, but, you know, and every year he proves me wrong, but he has to really get a lot better than as well um, to kind of make up for it. I mean, I, I'm definitely with you in the sense that, you know, no matter how you spin it, it might give more autonomy to Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. It might give them more freedom on the court, but you, you don't lose a guy like Gordon Hayward and, and get better. Um, and, and, you know, Jeff Teague and, and Tristan Thompson give you uh, – it fills knees that you had if you're the Celtics. Um, but at the end of the day, we all know talent prevails. And, and the most talented guy that you uh, – or the most the most talent that you had some sort of a transition with was the exit of Gordon Hayward. Um, so losing a 20-point scorer like that, I'm going to say that they got marginally worse. Um, I, I like what they did in the offseason. I like what uh, – I like the potential of what Tristan Thompson maybe can bring. Um, I like Jeff Teague. I think that they're going to have their role players get better. I, I like Robert Williams. I, like, I mean, these are all guys that I like. I even like Peyton Pritchard. I think Peyton Pritchard's, some guys have him pegged as like a, a G leaguer for life. I don't think that'll be the case at all. I think Peyton Pritchard's a guy who can come in and contribute off bat, arguably. Um, but, you know, you just don't lose a guy like Gordon Hayward and get better. There's just no way to spin it in my mind. Yeah, you really want to talk about the draft. I mean, I, 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 I like the draft, man. I like the draft. I like the draft. No, nah, I, I mean, no, nah, I get it. And, I mean, last thing I think where Boston really lost was Danny Ainge, you know, kind of spinning in his little chair, you know, just getting heavy heavy on his feet or whatever you want to call it, getting cold feet about the side of trade with Indiana. Um, they could have really had a, a great fit and great talent in Miles Turner, mm-hmm. but instead he just kind of, you know, I mean, dilly dallied with the deal and let Michael Jordan swoop in with you know a dumb contract and get. And don't even don't even underestimate the other player in the deal, which was uh, the shooter. What's it was going to be Jeremy Lamb or McDermott. So McDermott. I mean, Dougie Mc, Say what you want about McDermott. That he. Uh, I mean, I didn't expect him to be a great player, but obviously, some people thought he was out of the draft, out of college. But he is a very reliable shooter. He is very, very reliable. He, he's a really, really good shooter. So getting back those types of guys, I, I mean, he obviously made a mistake there. I, I'll agree with you there. Cool, man. Well, that is our sixth team. So before we get out of here, we do want to identify one team apiece that we are particularly interested in watching this upcoming season, a team that we didn't address already, but a team that we think uh, is is uh, – are we going for improved or just interested in watching how, how just things play out? Just interested in watching. 
I'm just interested. Just interested in watching. I'll start with you, Eddie. Who's a, who's a team that you got your eye on? So this is the, I think, third straight episode I've brought up Portland, um, San Francisco adjacent. Uh, but I think they functionally were the winners of this offseason. I'm not going to say they improved the most. That might be Atlanta. Um, they, you know, not, not in terms of like pieces, but when you're talking about a team that needed to make some moves on the margins, they just blew it out of the water, in my opinion, in terms of figuring out their flaws um, and not messing with their strengths. Um, obviously, you talk about Robert Covington. You know, I, I've said this so many times now, gives them the three and D forward um, that they three. haven't had forever. I know, I know we're saying, I know we're saying that without the three. But he jacks up threes and defenses respect them like they respect Jay Crowder. So, um, and then, you know, I, I think we also talked about Derek Jones, the guy who can guard one to five, you know, defensive versatility. And then they swooped in the other day and signed Harry Giles to be, you know, a bench piece. And, you know, they have Nurkic right now. They have Cantor. But assuming that Cantor becomes unplayable in the playoffs, which he's going to be, Harry Giles steps in as a guy who looks pretty, you know, promising in Sacramento with, you know, a, a nice little dash of skill and, you know, crazy athleticism, a little bit of a handle and a good passing vision, um, some defense thrown in there as well. Um, again, like, they're just making such good pickups on the margins, and they didn't do anything to disturb Damian Lillard's brilliance, um, you know, Nurkic being good as a center, like, all of those things. Um, and, I mean, I'll, I'll say this again. They, I think, solidified themselves to be, you know, not not the A tier team in the West, but an A minus tier team in the West. Yeah, Bobby Mark said that they were the second best team in the Western Conference, and I, what my response to that, I, I laughed hysterically. Um, my my pushback to you is, is if Harry Giles can't get run and can't get at least puffer, you know, meaningless stats up on a bad team. What makes you think he's going to get, no, don't, get don't. run? I, I'm going to side with Eddie here, man. Harry Giles can hoop. I promise you. And, like, I, I, I like, so, am tapped so into why the... Did, why, why didn't he get run in Sacramento? Injuries, injuries, injuries have been killing so, this man, bro. I mean, there's no reason to think that he'll, he'll, stay, he'll stay injured. I mean, if, they, well, if that's no, the no, argument when, you want to make, healthy, that's fine. But when he's healthy, that dude is so, so good, man. Like, I think that he's... Not Christian Wood S. They don't have similar games, but I, I think he could have that sort of rapid ascension, man, where he just comes out of the blue and people are like, who the hell is this guy? But Harry Giles can hoop. He's been, I like, that's one of the, like, the underrated low key guys in the NBA that I'm just rooting for so hard because there's never been a point where Harry Giles could not play basketball extremely well. He has just been done so dirty with, with injuries, man. It sucks. This team should win the championship. This team should win the championship. Okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> you've convinced me. You've convinced me. I mean, you got Dame. You got CJ. You got Nurkic. You got Christian Wood. You got Harry Giles. You got you Harry got the, Giles, bro. You got the best 3 and D dude in the NBA next to Klay Thompson. You got you got Rodney Hood, the, the best off-the-bench scorer in the NBA. You got Derrick Jones. I mean, man. Stop. <laughs> Oozing with sarcasm, I mean, bro. We- can, can we be honest about Lillard, though? Because if we make him to be as great of a player as he is, and I think he is that great, that he's not Steph Curry, but he's damn close, he should be, you know, let's think about it. He should be good enough where a Herculean effort can mean that they can really try to make the finals. I agree, but how come people don't 
I don't, I, I don't know. Like, I mean, this, this was a question that I was going to ask Reagan if, if the Bogdan deal went through to Milwaukee, and he said uh, uh, that he didn't think that the Bucks were good. And I, I mean, these are questions that we have to ask the superstars. Like, bro, you can, you can't just get everybody. Like, damn. True. Like, you have to do, you have to do your job at some point. I mean, so I. Yeah. Sure. If you fair. think the team is that good around him, then sure. But I'm not gonna go yeah. as far as Eddie. Uh, I, like uh, this is really me caping for Harry Giles more than anything else. I think that it's still a a one and done, maybe a second round team at best. Um, but I agree in the fact that I think they maximize on everything that they possibly could have, um, and they're putting what I think is probably the best roster that we've seen around Damian Lillard out next year. I'm not. I'm not giving up two first round picks for a guy who can't really shoot dependably what I'd a, rather go take my chances and draft a guy uh, uh, like Gary Trent Jr. who I love and they also have Gary Trent Jr. there you go they also oh, have him that's a championship there you go I mean shoot they got him that's too um all right Julio who's the team that that's caught your eye um I would say definitely the Phoenix Suns and it's funny because Eddie just mentioned Jay Crowder uh, that that was a sneaky good signing that they'll you know a guy that they'll bring off the bench in Jay Crowder. Three um, and D. He, he's not the best three and D guy because <laughs> Eddie doesn't really like him. He he'll always say regression to the mean. Um, but he's obviously going to come off the bench, and they're really clearing the way for DeAndre Jordan to get the bulk of the center position minutes with. Letting go of or letting Aaron Baines walk. I mean, DeAndre Ayton, his development is really crucial at this point, especially Chris Paul being at the latter stages of his career. I, I think this team's uh, uh, really next step forward is not only going to be dependent on and reliable on uh, a Chris Paul coming in and, you know, vastly improving the team at the point guard position and overall. But it's going to be on DeAndre Ayton to be that number one pick that they drafted him to be. Devin Booker is what he is. Uh, Bridges is what he is. Cam Johnson is what he is. Jay Crowder is what he is. Um, So is Dario Saric. It's going to be up to DeAndre Ayton to really take that next step and show, you know, Phoenix what he really, you know, can provide for them. So, I mean, I, I think this team will be super, super interesting. I can see them finishing, you know, maybe ninth, and I can also see them finishing you know, fifth in the West. So I'd really keep my eye on this team. Yeah, I, I do love what they did, like every piece that they picked up, with the exception of, you know, to get a draft shadow in there, maybe not quite understand the Jalen Smith draft pick, especially when they kept Dario yeah. Saric. Um, but two sneaky dudes that they did pick up, Etwan Moore and Langston Galloway, two really good shooters that have a little bit more shake in their game than you would think. Um, those are really good bench pieces for them. Well, and now we've come to me. <laughs> I really, really, really wanted to talk about Atlanta. I would like that. That's something I'm sure we're going to get into at some point in the future. He loves Christian Wood too much. I love I, Houston, man. I told y'all before the show I was going to go Atlanta, but Houston, James Harden, if you happen to come across the show, dog, give it a shot. Just, just give it half a season, man. Let it, let like, cause the thing that really attracted me to this is 
the the rumors surrounding the Wizards possibly moving on from John Wall, and there's been rumors that there could possibly be a John Wall Russell Westbrook swap in the works. If they pull that off, and John Wall's the dude that I think he's capable of being, that's a good team. That is a good team. James Harden, John Wall, Christian Wood, DeMarcus Cousins. That's a good team, man. That's okay, a good so, team. Okay. Let, let me interject here. And I know we had this conversation between me and you this past Saturday mm-hmm. with, with uh, um, on Russell Westbrook or John Wall. Yeah. I think you're really, really missing the boat here. I'd much rather have, and I told you this already, and, and you know, I'd much rather have Russell Westbrook for all his flaws for all his downsides and, and his negatives, I'm taking Russell Westbrook over John Wall every single day of the week. Oh, and oh. in terms of Boogie Cousins, in, in terms of Boogie Cousins, you see, I, I thought he was the best center uh, when he was w- with the Pelicans. I think he was by far, I mean, you know, whether it was shooting the three, putting the ball on the ground, just everything posting up. But then I saw him on the Warriors. Oh, that, you can't do that. He was hurt. He was not the same dude. He was not the same dude. But even then, you you might assume he's going to be healthy. But even after that, he had one other or two other major major injuries. That's fair. And that might that might peg him at you know that's his new normal. And if that's his new normal, I'm sorry to say, but Boogie Cousins might not be a good player. And he used to be my favorite center in the league. I used to think he was the best center in the league. But when I saw him on the Warriors, this man cannot move. This man just looks slow. I mean, even in that, and right, I I do think it's important to mention, right, like he was coming off of injury. And even though, you know, we we have questions about what he's going to look like coming back next year, that remains to be seen. But even then, even in his worst, right, Eddie, there were still moments where he was the saving grace for that Warriors team when no one else was. That's what people want you to think. Eddie, were there not moments where it was like, damn, DeMarcus Cousins is really the only thing we got out there right now? Yeah. There was. I'm telling you. But, okay, I'll be honest. He did win one finals game for the Warriors just off of, you know, being barely good enough. And he also lost three others for the Warriors. I don't don't know if DeMarcus Cousins is going to be the same dude that he is. But... I'm interested in finding out, man. I, You know how much I love Christian Wood, and I have so much faith that John Wall is going to come back. And let me ask you this, Julio, before we, uh, before I make my final point. If I told you that John Wall was going to be 90% of who he was before his injury, would you still take Russell Westbrook over him? Yes. Ooh. That's interesting. I would 100% clear as day take John Wall. You might Wall. need to do a, a John Wall revisionist history Everyone out there, go take a look at, you know, uh, uh, whatever John Wall highlights mixtape because we forget just how amazing John Wall incredible, was. Incredible. Incredible. Everything like, the, like the, him and Russell Westbrook aren't the same player, but when we talk about the speed and the downhill ability to get from point A to point B, um, the change of direction, the damn passing ability, shooting ability, vertical, vertical, like the dude was special. And if we can get 90, 85% of that, that's a damn good basketball player, especially when you're talking about putting him next to a guy that James Harden is going to, like, you don't have to be the guy anymore. You have a guy like James Harden that you can play off of. He fits way better next to James Harden than Russell Westbrook does. That would be, I'd be wanting to see that, man. I think that that's, if that trade pulls off, I would not get down on my hands and knees. I'm not about that. 
But I'm like, James, please give me half a season to show you what this team can be capable of because I think that team, you know, was, was probably not win the West, but it would have a it would have a better shot than last year's team did. I'll I'll stick my neck out on that. So we're saying Houston are contenders now. Is that what, is, is that what we're saying? You go get John Wall. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You think that it's that big of a difference between John Wall? I and love Russell. John Wall. I love 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 John Wall. John Wall, like you see how much I love John he Morant. That's my favorite player in the player NBA. On the Wizards. I mean, at his peak, peak John Wall versus peak Bradley no, Beal. <laughs> I don't, bro. Bradley Beal. Peak John Wall, peak Bradley Beal. I would say we're about the same echelon of player. Not not in terms of the skill set that they had, but they're both. Top twenty NBA players at their peak, yeah. Am I tripping this on man, that? All, all, all I'm trying to say is John Wall's like this league. You know, he speaks with that. This league's gotten way too buddy buddy. But uh, I, I, I just asked to be traded. And when people are you ask slandering me, uh, Southern accents right now? Where's John Wall like, from? I don't even know. And when they asked me if I wanted to be traded, all I had to say was no comment. Stand up to it. You asked to be traded. We should talk about how egregious that he's demanding a trade when he is like maybe one of the worst contracts in the league. One of the worst contracts. And you're not, if you were John Wall, like, like I compared it to the Russell Westbrook situation, at least you were, at least Russ was playing and averaging, you know, damn near a triple double. This man hasn't played in two, three, two, like two years. He has demanding a trade acting like you're, James Harden? Come on. Come I on. understand that, man. But I also could understand if I'm John Wall and it feels like my, my franchise doesn't have the confidence in me that I feel like they should after I've been busting my ass to get back from these injuries. Have you seen him in these open runs, man? He's ready to roll. Everybody uh, everybody looks I'm great in open telling runs. telling you, everybody bro. Everybody does. I'm t- I'm, that's fair. That's fair because, you know, you go find some open runs, Mitchell Robinson will look like an all-star. But... He looks as healthy as he's been in years, man. In years. That much can't be denied. That much can't be denied. John Wall is just jealous that the Wizards organization just decided to build around Bradley Beal instead of him and make make Bradley Beal their focal point. And he's just jealous. All right. So when John Wall's hooping next year, I don't want to hear nothing because I told you here, John Wall is going to be hooping and we're all going to be like sitting here or or folks that forgot about are going to be sitting here like, damn, I forgot how cold John Wall was for a little minute. Like, folks forget. But I never okay. forgot because that was the first John Morant for me. Before there was John Morant, and John Morant's still my favorite player in the NBA, there was John Wall. If if that's the case, they should easily make it to the to the sixth. Win the final. <laughs> they should easily get the sixth seed. The Wizards should? Yeah, because the Wizards John Wall got, won't be a Wizard. What, like 10? At like tenth place last year, you add the great John Wall to that team in the. I don't like the, the way you the, said that because John Wall's actually great. Why did you say it so like it, no, the great that's, John that's Wall? So so if they were ninth ninth place in the in the least last year in the Eastern Conference last year, you add John Wall to that team playoff you, team. You should you, you should easily get six seed, easily. I mean, if I'm like. We can do this another time. How about that? Because we're running out of time. I'm trying to think of, I'm thinking, of, I'm like, I might not be inclined to disagree with you that I think that they would have that sort of ceiling of, of a six seed. 
Um, but you know, we're running low on well, time. Last, last words. Go ahead, go ahead. Last words. Just a disclaimer before you know you outro us out of this podcast. If you know the only reason why Portland might sputter and fall short in the playoffs is if Carmelo Anthony oversteps his role and he sabotages the team. That's the only disclaimer. Was that necessary? Was that necessary to come in? <laughs> I feel like. I'm just saying, like, it's very possible. Like, Carmelo Anthony feels like he should. Be I mean, he didn't. He didn't show. Like, yeah, I wouldn't say that that's realistic. Just because if he was going to do it, he would have done it last year too. And he didn't. He he played within himself pretty well last year. Did they need Melo? They did. They did. That's why I'm saying this is the only bad signing Portland had, even though it was on a, a minimum. No, Reagan's saying that they did need. Mello. They did need Melo. Without Melo, that's not a playoff this, team. This season. No, this season. Oh, for this, for this coming season. Yes, yes. Oh, no, no, they didn't. You don't need they Mello. Not, no, no, you don't no, need Mello. No, you're just signing him for clout, or I don't know. <laughs> what, kind, what kind of organization signs Carmelo Anthony to the grit? You know, off off the heels, <laughs> on the heels of the great additions of. Uh, anyways, uh, anyways, Jr. anyways, <laughs> that'll do it for this <laughs> episode of Hoop Holler. <laughs> Before Julio keeps slandering these Portland wings, we'll get up out of here. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. As always, go follow the Instagram and Twitter at SQR1Hoops. That is SQR1Hoops. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you next time. This has been the Hoop and Holler podcast.